Craft Beer Radio, episode 188 on August 15th, 2011. Welcome to Sour Episode 2 of Craft Beer Radio. I'm Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And tonight we are doing uh, several Flanders Reds, but before we get into the Flanders, let's pull out this Belgian Strong Ale thingamajig here. This would be the uh, Blagis La Monnaie I'm doing that horribly wrong because if I try to do it right, I'll get nowhere close anyway. This is a special winter, uh, a Saison, oh, 8%. It's a foamer. There she blows. Big mess on the table. Uh, 8%. Let's see. It's a richer version of La Monesse, using a little caramelized malt and more hops. Uh, it's notorious for lots of yeasty sediment clinging to the sides of its bottle in a somewhat unaesthetically pleasing manner. However, have no fear, this unsightly addition to the beer only enhances the flavor. All right. We check with the brewery, and they insist that not only can they not get rid of it, they wouldn't care to, as it gives, is this what it gives the beer its rustic and unique character? Lots of uh, stuff in there. I'm gonna have to pause here and get a towel. I acquired this beer. I can't remember if I was given it or purchased it, but acquired this beer through Tony at Vicini. That's a Shelton Brothers beer, so he uh, had some. Remember him saying he had some, and I ended up with one, but I don't remember how or why. So the, uh, so a winter Saison is an interesting, uh, so I guess sort of more of a spiced Saison, I guess would be the best way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see from, from tasting it. Uh, maybe a little, just a little more richer, you know, a little more caramel. Right. I mean, it, it pours a lot darker than most Saisons. It's, it's a tea color. Pretty cloudy. I got some big chunks of yeast in the bottom of my glass. It, it's it's the same color as your Dolce de Leche. It's, you know, sort of that, that caramel <laughs> color. Uh, with a bit of an orange highlight at the bottom. It's got a finger's worth of uh, um, pretty big uh, bubbly head. Mm-hmm. Poured with a really big head. Obviously, the thing started shooting up out of the bottle. Yeah. Has a has a nice aroma. It's a little caramelly. There's not too much going on. Maybe a little bit of pear or something like that. Yeah, I, I I get some pears there. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get much. I'm not getting mm-hmm. a huge amount. It, of It's subtle. Here. I mean, and what I'm getting is, is pear and a little bit of maltiness. We have these kind of uh, extra large tulip glasses. Yep. Oh, these are some one of my favorite glasses. I like using these ones. Pear comes through in the flavor too. In the later in the later part of the aftertaste comes up, and then the front of the after, front taste is uh, malty. So it's medium medium dry, but there's a good maltiness to it, a little caramelly. You know, trying to place it, it, it it's weird because it's 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 not traditional saison. It's not like a farmhouse or anything. It's mm-hmm. light though. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of. 
Wow. How would you, what would you compare this to? I mean, it has the, well, I, I, now that I've sat here, let us sit in my pal a little bit, it leaves a really dry aftertaste, a little bit chalky on your mouth. So it, it, it is a pretty, it's interesting because it didn't taste so dry at first, but I mean, now I'm thinking it's a pretty dry beer. So I mean, it definitely seems like. It's almost cidery. Mm. Like a, if, if you could make it like a pear cider. Yeah. Perhaps. I'm trying to think. You know, we had that pear mead, but I mean, that had a lot of honey flavor in yeah. it too. So that wouldn't be so uh, much of a comparison. It could be. I'm just trying to give some benchmark because it's, it's it doesn't have a huge... Uh, Big multi, you know, big um, barley or, or multi flavored mm-hmm. with it. Um, I mean, a benchmark. It reminds me a little bit of uh, of a Chimay Red. It has some of those maybe. flavors to it. It's dry. The dryness and, and the maltiness and the dryness component of this yeah. remind me a lot of a Chimay Red. Yeah. So. Something like a a, a very light double. Mm -hmm. Or just a really dry double. Just a really dry, yeah. But uh, particularly on the fruity end, Mm -hmm. too. And and like Jeff says, dry kind of almost chalky because the big maltiness that you kind of expect from a double isn't really coming through. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's there giving a lot of body. Mm -hmm. Um, It has has a really good mouthfeel on it, but it does not have a big... You know, overtly like toffee-like flavor, or um, you know, big barley breadish-like flavor. It, it has a pretty muted flavor with in that mm-hmm. regard. So I guess that's where the quote-unquote saison part comes in, because saisons can be kind of muted in some of those directions. A very festive and hardly holiday saison in quotation marks, homemade at Belgium's smallest family brewery. Extra rich for the holiday season. School teachers, Marie Norol Courtois <laughs> and Pierre Alex Carlier, Car- Carlier have together come up <laughs> with a formula. It's kind of hard to read, it's all scratched out. Formula for great traditional brews. Marketing speak, marketing speak. Tiny Garage Brewery. Well. It'd be insulting if I said it tastes like a tiny garage. <laughs> <laughs> For Matchbox cars. No, I enjoy this. It, mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Because it, 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 the most notable thing about the beer, I think, is how it starts out not not very dry. You know, it's not an extra brute right. flavor up front, but it, then it goes really dry in the end. So if you drink it, if you don't pause much between sips, it keeps you nice and lub- nice and moisturized, right? And then if you take more time between sips, it dries out. So you can really control how much impact it's having on your palate. Definitely. This would go well with some uh, some holiday pudding or uh, something along the lines, some cookies. Yeah, I'm trying to stick away from the holiday season. Just like, you know, pick, you know, so we're drinking it in August. Let's see, yeah. what would it go well with in August since we're not going to find any cookies around? It would probably go well with the roast chicken. Okay, yeah. 
Um, Something smoky. I mean, I think barbecue would work well with it. Right. What else? Let's try to think of something a little bit outside the box. No, it wouldn't work there. I was thinking grilled cheese, but eh, not really. Oh, I just, a uh, little sidebar. I told you about my idea for a restaurant, right? Where I wanted to do like a grilled cheese restaurant where it would be like 20 kinds of artisan breads and like 50 cheeses <laughs> and type thing. There's actually a place out in Cleveland called Melt that is is like that. Is it has that? these decadent, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches. So so now I'll share the idea since it's not unique anymore. Nice. The the business set part of me would say, don't go open a single type shop like you know like the pierogi shops around here and stuff. Right. Like, don't limit yourself. But the, like the the part of me that thinks you know an awesome grilled cheese shop with like all those breads and cheeses would be so cool. Mm-hmm. You know. If you could, you know, kind of soup Nazi it where you're the only guy in town and they're all awesome, uh-huh. then you can make it work. Yeah, it would be a menu like where there would be the signature line, right? But then it would also be, hey, mix and match whatever the heck you want. Right. You know? But you have to charge a lot for, in order to, to get your money back on, on that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Cheese itself is expensive enough and then... Yeah, when you're having 50 or 60 artisan and cheeses on, you know, on the display right there. Yeah. Those are some of the logistics that, like, yeah, I don't want to open that. <laughs> Back I mean, to the beer. Can you imagine, like, a you know, a, a brie uh, with the? Yeah, I'll have a on on ciabatta, brie and uh, <laughs> uh, briat sauvignon. <laughs> it's like you could go crazy. Yeah, you could. It'd be fun, though, wouldn't it? All right, now I guess it's now it's time to get our sour on, huh? Or let's uh, let's sour it up. Where that? I guess that other picture is upstairs. Don't. Little dump bucket this week. Rinse bucket. Which one would you like to start with? Um. Well, let's let's go with the Grand Crew. Is it Rodenbach? Rodenbach. Grand Cru. Um, so between 6 and 8 degrees Celsius. <laughs> it's uh, 6% alcohol by volume. It's 33% young and 67% older beer. Matured in oak vats. It's the, high percentage, it's the higher percentage of the older beer that gives the complex and intense bouquet. Oh, look at that little, little stubby cork. That is a tiny little cork. It's interesting. It's a micro cork. It's being green. It's wasting less cork material. <laughs> as long as it held in the gas, I'm, I'm okay with that. They uh, say to ideally combine this with foie gras. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just have some in the fridge. Yeah. You just go get some of Giant Eagle, right? Just mm-hmm. give me your best foie gras. Okay, so if you uh, haven't caught us doing or talking about Flanders Reds before, they're a, a style of beer that are, are tart and tangy. Some would say sour, but the more you dive into it, they're not really sour. They're just yeah. kind of tart and tangy. A Belgian style beer. They're typically this uh, dark. Darker color, almost the color of cola, but they have like a red hue to it. 
And uh, I don't know what do we got on the zero. Well, I mean, I mean not it's um, you know there's no fruit or anything added to it. It all comes from the yeast. Yeah, yeast barrels and whatnot. A lot of the you know, like I said, you know, sixty percent of the beer is old beer that's been in barrels for longer. So mm. a lot of that flavor is from the um, population of yeast and bacteria and whatnot that live in the the barrels, and not so much the yeast that actually do the ferment, the primary fermentation on the beer. So the color of this one is a you know a very dark burgundy, um, with orange reddish highlights. I think if you had to um, describe what a, a Flanders Red tastes like in like two short words, you know, you have to say like sweet tart. And it shows there's more nuance and complexity there, but it just always takes me right to, you know, this is what, a, you know, it tastes just like a sweet tart. You know, it has that <laughs> tanginess to it, that sweetness. To remember Halloween when you got those little paper things. <laughs> So in the aroma on this one, I'm getting, you can definitely smell the fruits, the, the raspberry right. type aroma, you know, tangy raspberries. But then I'm also getting a bit of like chocolate or something in there. There's a, there's kind of a balsamic vinegar sort mm-hmm. of aroma too. Yeah. There's an acetic aroma mm-hmm. here. You take that sip. It just makes your home out pucker up and salivate at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like right now, my my saliva glands are just going nuts. It's such a sa- or I don't know if savory is the right word, but it's such a umptious, I think savory works. It just it just it just it just makes your mouth say yes. That's the chemical. <laughs> it's hitting all the right chemical receptors, right. right? And your mouth is just like, oh yeah. I mean, it, it's big. It's kind of a um, I don't know inky flavor right it's mm-hmm. it, it sort of uh, permeates everything and um it it tastes uh very much like mm, uh the the filling of a danish or something like that you know a little bit sour with okay. uh, with, with 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 a big uh, big fruity sugariness yeah there's a lot of sweetness in here i didn't mention that but i mean it's a pretty sweet flavor and it's balanced by that acidity it's an acetic type flavor. Yeah. There's a lot more complexity to it. It doesn't taste like vinegar, but it's the same kind of zing mm-hmm. as vinegar. There's notes of honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the fruity notes uh, tend to be along the raspberry or or, or dark cherry, um, sour cherry mm-hmm. area. Yeah, I mean, it's re- this one's really big on raspberry. There's some other fruits in there. Maybe a little bit of blackberry. Uh, I'm not sure. It just, just it envelops of... your mouth. It really does, uh, you know, a great job of kind of expanding and and mm-hmm. and feeling very, uh, very thick without being, you know, especially viscous. Mm-hmm. I keep, and I keep coming back. I'm not really. It's weird. I don't like specifically taste it, but I keep coming back to. It reminds me of eating chocolate, like good dark chocolate. I don't know if it's something mm. like when it's melting in your mouth or something, but it doesn't really taste like a chocolate bar. But it reminds me of the process of eating chocolate somehow. There's very little of the flavor that I would say even you know comes close to chocolate. But um, the, the one thing that, that I would say matches it is is that, that satisfying um, 
Maybe that's fill it. your mouth mm-hmm. flavor. So, maybe that's it. Hmm. This is uh, one to savor. I mean, I really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, this beer just because it. You can really spend some time with it and explore it in lots of different angles. Yeah. So let's. Uh, we can have a sidebar. I just got back from vacation. We took a uh, short, close to home, spend less money vacation out to uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, that's where Cedar Point is. I didn't go to Cedar Point because uh, the kids are just too young. It just didn't make sense to go to Cedar Point. But you know, I, I you know, did took my opportunity to beer it up when I was out there. On the way out, we stopped at uh, in Cleveland, and I went to the Fatheads Brewery in Cleveland. First time there. I've had their beers before. The Fatheads mm-hmm. here in Pittsburgh. Uh, good beers. Let's the see, original look. Fatheads, right? Yeah, the original Fatheads in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what I had there. Oh, I had a bunch of lagers. They had um, darn. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was. So long ago. <laughs> you check your tweets. Yeah, that's what I should do. Um, I do remember the growlers that I took to the condo, though. I had, them had an alt, right? That's one thing you mentioned. The, the alt was from the brew kettle. We'll okay. talk about that one next because that was... I don't want to spoil it, but that was amazing. <laughs> uh, so from Fatheads, I got the a growler of Hop Juju, which is their Imperial IPA. And that, that's a nice double IPA. Good, good, big fruity flavor, you know, citrus fruits and whatnot. And then I had a bottle of their Goggle Fogger Hefeweizen, which... Goggle Fogger? Goggle Fogger Hefeweizen. Oh, okay. The goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> and uh, so that was... Um, those are good. That That's kind of a... It was a little more... It was interesting that I liked it so much because it was a banana forward hefe, right? And I like the pepper clove forward mm-hmm. hefes, but I enjoyed that one. And then... So we were driving around the Cleveland area there... And um, we didn't really have plans for a hotel, so we just got on uh, Hotwire. Well, I knew I wanted to get to the brew kettle, but we were like already 20 minutes west of the brew kettle, and it didn't really make sense to go back. We got on Hotwire.com to book a hotel room, and as luck would have it, it was less than two miles from the brew kettle. So we drove back there, put the kids to bed, and I went to the brew kettle and tried some of their beers. Um, They have... Beer called Erie Gold, which is an American hopped wheat beer. So kind of kind of like Gumball Head, but hmm. it's there's two things notable about it. Uh, first thing is it's filtered, so it's crystal clear. So I didn't even know it was a wheat beer, you know, until they told me, because my senses were deceiving me. And they use citra hops, so it had this really great juicy citrus flavor. You know, like um, it's hard to describe exactly what citra is, but I mean, it's like. Mandarin orange or something like that. Okay. It was really juicy. I really like that one. I got a growler of that one to go. And I tried a few of their other beers. They had a red eye uh, India Pale Ale. It was a big multi one. It, it was okay. But they had uh, this Imperial Alt. It was 9%. No hints that it was that strong. It, it tasted a bit like. Uh, Oh, I don't want to. It's 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 got to sound wrong, but it had this like root beer type flavor to it, but not like like not the sweet part and not the, the I don't know how to say it, but it was just as it was so good. I've never had anything like their alt beer, um, so I took a growler of that and enjoyed that. On the way 
they they have grew they have barbecue there too. But I went uh, after dinner at Fathead, so I wasn't hungry, so I couldn't try any of it. But on the way back home, we stopped there for lunch, and I had their barbecue. Their ribs, their ribs are fantastic. They had um I had the back I had the backyard sampler, which was ribs, wings, and pulled pork. Starlight Keller Lager. Yeah, that's the one I had. He's looking through my old tweets. Nice. <laughs> yeah, the Keller Lager was very nice, and it, you know Keller beer you don't get very many of those unfiltered Pilsner type beers. And I enjoyed that. And I had the, I had the Schwartz beer, I think. I don't think I tweeted that one, but I had the Schwartz beer. And, uh... Anyway, so you were talking about... Brew Kettle. Really good smokehouse, too. Uh, the way they stacked their sampler, though, I think they did it in the wrong order. They had the ribs on top, the wing underneath it, and the pulled pork on the bottom. And that was the order of how good they were. The ribs <laughs> were amazing. The chicken was pretty good. And... The pulled pork wasn't bad, but after having those other two, it tasted like a watery, bland mess. You know, it's like, oh. So, actually, I commented, you need to have people eat the pulled pork first because it probably will taste better because of their expectations set differently. But, yeah, the brew kettle, it's in Strong Strongburg. It's, uh, it's near Interstates 80 and 71. It's um, south of the airport. Uh, I have to highly recommend that place. Uh, it's, it's a brew pub, brew on premise. So you can make your beer there, you can make your wine there. They actually have a pot still, but they can't use it. They were going to try to get the distilling license. Mm. And I forget who, the the one bartender was telling me that, I guess, I don't know if it's an Ohio law or if it's a federal law, but you can only get like one, they could only get one distilling license in like the greater Cleveland area. And someone else got it. and they So they got this pot still and they can't get a license right now or something like that. So, I don't know, but... Check out the brew kettle sometime. Really good. I you know I haven't found an alt beer really that I can remember that that's really struck my fancy. So well, this, you know this is not traditional, right? It's an imperial alt. No, no, no German brewer you know would <laughs> would make an imperial alt, but it was it was really good. They were out of it when I went back because I brought some, some of those growlers in the fridge or from the brew kettle. But they were out of the um, the alt beer. Mm-mm. I brought back their Hefeweizen, the Erie Gold, that wheat beer with the citra hops, and um, their double IPA, which was really good too. I see. Sounds good. Sounds like you had a good time. I assume. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, like I told Greg before, vacationing with a one year old who. Mm-hmm. He's just perfected the world's most irritating scream. <laughs> and that's his only vocalization. He doesn't have any other vocalization, so he has to fall back to the world's most irritating scream. When you're in a situation where there's very few places you can let him scream it out because you don't want to disturb the neighbors in the condo, that was it was frustrating. It almost made you want to shake a baby. <laughs> but uh, never shake a baby. Never shake a baby. Unless it's... Uh... Oh, they're Imperial Stealth, the brew kettle. I went to a grocery store nearby and they had some bottle bombers of the brew kettle. I love the name of their Imperial Stealth. It's called Tenguska. Why is that awesome? I don't know. I just like it. Okay. <laughs> I thought well, it was like in reference to something. Well, the Tenguska is the, that in 1903, that, that comet that blew up over Siberia. Really? Yeah. Over Tengu- you never heard of Tenguska? I never... I never heard it pronounced that way. Tanguska? I don't know how you say it. I always thought it was Tanguska. Yeah, Tanguska or, or yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you know Russian imperial style. Right. I mean, that's why they're so yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't so, I name mine that? It is clever. I just had to be, my brain had to be jolted into figuring it out. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we're finishing up the Rodenbach and uh, wonderful stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm. This I, I've told this story recently, so I'll just say it really quickly, not to bore people that just heard it like two weeks ago. We are talking about sour beers, and this is the beer that I've turned... Many people on is their initial sour experience, tart, tangy experience. And at first I was surprised how many people liked it because I thought I'd have more people saying, oh, my God, too tart, too tangy, too sour. And most people can can take this and and, and get it as long as you prime them and tell them what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, next time you have a, a newbie beer person or a person who's just curious about who's craft beer curious, um, break this one out and don't be... Don't be too worried about them spitting it out. Just just let them know what they're getting into before you give it to them. Kind of a uh, th- think of it, I think, as a uh, dessert wine. Kind of treat mm-hmm. it in that sense too. Yeah, yeah. It's always the last thing I give them in yeah. the night. So, what do we say? We go with the dissident next. Sounds good to me. We have a bottle of beer here from Deschutes that was. Let's say it was from Gary. I don't have a name on it, but I'm pretty sure it's from Gary. <laughs> uh, it's it's technically they say it's not a um, Flanders Red, but an Outbrun. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh well, there close goes enough. Our, there goes our style show. Um, ten point five percent alcohol by volume, thirty IBUs. No longer available. What? It says unavailable on their website. Uh, Twenty ten reserve. I thought it was a seasonal thing. This is a 2008 reserve, actually. Okay. So this is a, it may be available again sometime. Whoa! Whoa, another gusher. <laughs> That's interesting. I was just thinking back to the um, the first one we had, the the Brasserie de Blaugies, whatever it was. You know, it gushed so much, like, oh, it's going to have some spoiling or something. But it really was pretty clean flavor for being a gusher. And we'll have to see about this guy. Get the towel back out. Good thing it didn't go for. <laughs> this one uh, had a, a wax uh, cover, so you can be pretty sure there's no oxidation on this sucker. There we go. Okay, so this one pours a little bit lighter than the Rodenbach, um, but very much the same thing. The head is kind of interesting. It looks like a sponge. It has pretty big pores, pretty big bubbles yeah. in it. It's, uh, it's again got orange just highlights. The aroma on this one is a lot different. It's more reminiscent of last week's show, where it's a little more Brett-centric, yeah. where there's some leatheriness to it. says it must be fermented in isolation from other beers for a full 18 months. Partly in uh, Pinot and uh, Cabernet barrels. 
Okay. And they say the words coddled, costly, and worth it come to mind. <laughs> That's the problem with these sour beers is, um, I mean, Rodenbach is able to, if we have a price tag on this Rodenbach, apparently I paid $13.50 for a 750 milliliter bottle. That's Pennsylvania prices with the 18% alcohol tax and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, they're not too cheap. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the most... I mean, Rodenbach's going to be the most available Flanders yeah. you can get your hands on. I mean, it's a big bottle. A couple servings there. It's probably worth the money. 13 bucks ain't too bad. This uh, beer, the Dissident had won the Platinum Medal uh, for Flemish-style brownie on the 2010 World Beer Championships. Gold Medal for America-style or German-style sour ale in the 2008 Great American Beer Festival. And the Best Beer Other and the 2008 Northwest Brewing News Reader's Choice Awards. All right, so the aroma on this guy. We talk, well, we, I guess we did the aroma. Let's get on to the flavor. It's not nearly as tangy and tart as, as yeah. the Rodenbach. There's a little bit of, of, a little bit of tanginess there, but not a ton. It's not as leathery in the flavor as it is in the nose. It's more... Yeah, I got chocolate on the brain tonight. <laughs> I'm getting more chocolate-type characteristics, even though it doesn't taste chocolatey. It has a bit of um It has some leathery, uh, you know, flavor there. Some uh, kind of... <sighs> My my brain is is not working as well as yours tonight. <laughs> let me let me go with this again. And see what I can get out of the flavor. Hmm, it's good. <laughs> I'm getting all kinds of. My, I got stuff misfiring. I guess I I just I tasted a little bit of bubble gum just a second ago. I just get all kinds of. Interesting things. A little bit of fruit, kind of like uh, what do I want to go with this. It's fruit? got kind of the the flavor that I imagine if you, if you take a knife and you you know you you use a leather thing to make it mm-hmm. uh, to sharpen it, and then the, the aromas that waft off of that are coming through a little bit right. in the flavor here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This is one of those ones that's uh, flummoxing us where we're having a hard time with vocabulary. It's really enjoyable, though. Yeah. I just, mine's almost gone. I'm just drinking, drinking, drinking. So some some Brett character there, definitely. Not like any of the ones we had last week, though. That's the weird thing. It's, I mean, you know, it is a Flanders Brown. And what does Flanders Brown mean? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've had enough to really know exactly what a Flinders Brown is and is not. Because it has some of the some of the, there's a little bit of acetic-ness in there, like the Flinders Red. Right. Not nearly as much as the Rodenbach has. And if I remember right, the Duchess, which we're going to be doing next, is a pretty pretty tangy one also. Yeah. And then of course there's you know, La Folie from New Belgium, which is, you know, burn a hole in your cheeks acidic. <laughs> well, the, the brown, I think um, you know, the, the 
the reds tend to be more fruity, have more of the fruity characteristics, and the brown are a little bit more phenolic in their characteristics. So uh, a little bit uh, peppery um, or um, kind of maybe grains of paradise, maybe something along those lines. Not clovey necessarily, but some sort of uh, some other sort of. Okay. Cardamom-esque sort of uh, spiciness. I, I think you're pretty good with those descriptions. I mean, what I was just chalking off to acidicness and carbonation, you know, carbonic acid and acetic acid, is kind of peppery. It, 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 Grains of Paradise is a pretty good descriptor. You know, I'm not, you know, try not to think of, you know, Sam Adams Summer Ale, but, you know, try to get your hands on some cracked Grains of Paradise and take a bite. It's a lot more peppery, like lemon, pepper, interesting mm-hmm. flavors in there. And then, uh, what was the other thing you said after that? Because I remember... Uh, cardamom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cardamom's a really potent spice, but if you just get just a yeah. little bit in there, it's kind of there also, yeah. Like, a, yeah, so cardamom's so potent, so let's say you had a five-year-old <laughs> powdered cardamom. So Just you, put a little pinch in. Yeah, so you know it, it. It tastes. It doesn't have a huge amount of of the flavor there, but you can taste sort of the essence mm-hmm. is still there. Most of the oils are gone, right? No, you, this is aged in wine barrels, and you kind of get that oaky, you know, wine. Maybe because I know I'm I'm tasting that, but it kind of feels feels like oh yeah. Like, I get, I see that, you know, I see how that is where it comes from, where these flavors come from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew, I knew that. Did I go breaking up the wax top again? My OCD. <laughs> oh well, I'm used to it by now. Shredding the wax. Mm. I don't have as much to say, but I enjoy this one immensely. It doesn't have the the deep fullness that the Grand Cru had, um, but it's a very uh, another another beer that it it's really fun to just take in and uh, appreciate and and slowly you know work mm-hmm. your way through. Yep. Well, let's let this one settle for a little bit, and I can finish up my vacation story. I'll keep it short. Went to um, Kelly's Island. It's one of those islands off the coast of of Ohio there. And there's a brewery there, Kelly's Island Brewery. And uh, It's not the most creative name in the world. (laughs) No, not the most creative name. And and the food was was, uh, on the disappointing side, not so good, not so interesting. Um, They're like, best burger on the island. And I have to say, I I don't want to have any of the other burgers on the island if theirs is the best. I mean, it, granted, they're on an island, right? So you really can't have the freshest of ingredients without paying a ton of money. That's the other thing. the The island, you know, markup made the men made the meal not quite, you know, it needed to be much better to be worth the price type thing. The beers were decent, though. I mean, nothing exciting. There was. Uh, a pale ale and a porter, or I mean, a pale ale, a brown ale, and uh, they were they were decent. I I, I enjoyed them. They were uh, nothing, you know, nothing like the brew kettle, which I was raving about earlier, or fatheads. But uh, you know, you're on an island in the middle of Lake Erie. 
<laughs> At least there's some good craft beer to drink, because other than that, there's not much. There's actually a brewery on the Putin Bay on South Bass Island also. Um, I didn't make it there this time. I had their stuff uh, about seven years ago. And uh, same kind of thing. It was you know nothing that was noteworthy, but at least you could find some craft beer on Putin Bay. And I, like I said, I really I wanted to check them out again this time, but the um, situation just didn't allow for it. We were on Putin Bay, but kids weren't going to stand for me having a couple pints in a bar. Hmm. Well, I guess they would stand for it, but they'd just scream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The world's most irritating scream. <laughs> Can you give us a taste? Oh, I'll record it next time. I he's he's wailing, and I'll play it next time. I'm not going to try. To, I can't do it justice. Because I remember when I was uh, the, the most irritating scream I ever heard was when I was on uh, a, a flight. It was a long flight. I think it was from California, um, and it was this baby would go like this. I won't go you know crazy, but go go. So you you had like three or four seconds where it was a slow one, then it would burst up and happened every time. So it was re- it got really really annoying real quickly. <laughs> uh, this was the same people who also changed their baby. In, they were in front of me, right in front of me, and they changed their baby on the seat instead of going into the bathroom to do it. So the entire cabin started to fill up with the smell of this baby's poop. poop. Nice. See, but when it's your baby, you don't smell the poop anymore, so... <laughs> they don't care. Alright, so I just wrapped up the uh, the dissident. Yeah, it, it's... It's a lot more subtle than the uh, Rodenbach. I liked it. It's going to be a little hard to figure out which one I liked better when we start ranking things. I think I know which one I like better. We'll wait and see. So the uh, the final beer of the night is the Duchesse de Bourgogne. <laughs> Bour- so it's it's Flemish for Burgundy, you know the Burgundy uh, mm-hmm. region of France. Um, Bourgogne. Let's go with Bourgogne. It is uh, aged uh, or matured in oat casks. It. Six percent. Won the two thousand six World Beer Championships gold medal. What expiration date? December of. Oh, maybe it's September of of twenty twelve. It's either September of twenty twelve or December of two thousand nine. December two thousand nine. I'm guessing it's twenty twelve. Either doing the European where it's the uh, the year then the month, right? Right. So where did we get this one? You bought this one. Brought it here. Did I buy it? Um, uh, DC. DC. Yeah. I believe so. Probably Chevy Chase. Sounds right. You might have bought the no. Uh, no, I bought the Grand Crew from somewhere. That might have come. Yeah, I remember buying this actually. Ooh. That's different aroma. I wasn't expecting that. That's chocolatey. 
Or do I just have chocolate on the brain still? <laughs> so it's matured in the oak barrels for 18 months. Final product is a blend of the younger 8-month beer with the 18-month-old beer. Uh, the average age before being bottled is 12 months. Hmm. That's a lot different than what I recall. I remember it being you know, pretty much on par with sweet tarts like the Rubenbach, but this one tastes a lot more um, port-like or, you know, dark dark red grapes. I'm getting uh, oak in the aroma. I can definitely smell the oak there. I'm trying to figure out what I'm picking up in the aroma there. I mean, it's probably what you're, you know, the oak that you're saying. It's just hitting me differently. It's hitting me like, jeez, uh, I don't know. A little bit like um, like pipe smoke. Like a fruity pipe smoke. Yeah, I guess smoke. there's some tobacco in there, right? Like, you know, uh, just a... Like, you know, like the, the pipe tobacco is like really juicy and, and you know, like sweet smelling. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, yeah. And chocolate. I'm not letting the chocolate go tonight. I'm, I'm on a chocolate kick. I smell the chocolate. So I'm with you on chocolate on this one. Blind squirrel gets in that every once in a while. Uh, the color is uh, a brownish. Yeah, pretty cloudy. Yeah. Uh, peach highlights at the bottom. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. It has a. The first thing that hits me is how thin the body is compared to the other beers. Kind of went away really quickly. Like there's not much aftertaste, but. Or not much mouthfeel. There is an aftertaste. But when the when it's in your mouth, there's a lot going on there. I don't, it doesn't taste that thin to me. What it, what it, it tastes like, though, that the, the, the what struck me initially was um, cinnamon toast. Uh, you know, sort of a sweet, uh, okay. bready flavor. Um, with a bit of like almost a butteriness to it as well. Uh-huh. No, I get the... Not that I'm tasting diacetyl or anything like that, but I get where you're saying buttery. Wow, that's... um. I remember some... You know, this was years really interesting. ago. Interesting. When we tasted this stuff. Oh, we should mention, this isn't a big 750 milliliter bottle, because they also serve it in a much smaller, like, 11.2 ounce bottle. Oh, okay. Um, someone mentioned... One of the times, probably the first time we did this beer, the they thought or heard or the rumor is that they add saccharin to this beer. <laughs> I just I just did some research. There's actually a Wikipedia page for for this beer, the Duchesse de Bourgogne, and uh, I'm skeptical of of this brewery putting saccharin in the beer. But if you have if you have uh, good information on that, let us know. Saccharin. Hmm. I'm really skeptical of that. Yeah, I don't see why they would need to. I mean, you know, I I taste like I said that I I taste a very sugary taste there. So I could see why someone made you know old wives' tale it mm-hmm. along those lines. But um, I don't know. I've never tried saccharin in a beer unless this beer actually has it. So I don't really know. You looking for a tissue? Or? Yeah. Right here. 
Thank you, sir. And yeah, it's it, it to me it, it has a really interesting and 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 unique flavor for a for a Flemish red. It it uh, for a Flanders red. I'm sorry. It um, mm-hmm. it's just different, and yeah. it's it's. It's it's got a sweetness to it that the other ones didn't have. It 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 may have a little bit of um, of a hoppiness there that is not really detectable in the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not picking up too much hoppiness or anything. Honey, and you kind of just hit me where it has kind of like a honey flavor in there. Yeah, like the sweetness. Think of think of uh, honey or. What's the other thing? Like a gave nectar, maybe. Like, that kind of sweetness in there. Yeah, that's kind of like what the sweetness is at. Hmm. I, it, it's funny. We got, you know, two Flanders Reds, a, a Flanders Brown, and then the, the Christmas Saison. So they're not really all that alike, but even the two Flanders Reds are are so different. You like I like one for one aspect and I like the other one for a different aspect. Yeah, they're all very it's different. Gonna, it's going to be hard to figure out like which aspects went out in the ranking. You know, the, all these beers were were very different from from one another. They were unique twists on the various styles. I think. Hmm. Do we have the alcohol by volume on the Rodenbach? On uh, the Rodenbach, it says six oh, percent. Okay, so that's the same as the Duchesse. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones were what, like eight percent. Yeah, I think the Dissident was eight something. Ten point five. I'm sorry. Okay, big beer. And eight percent was the. Uh, the Black Blavmoosh. <laughs> the Runbox says, best before sea bottom. <laughs> but I don't see... So does that mean it's best before you actually see the bottom? Maybe. I don't <laughs> see... I mean, there's... You know, there's there's embossed letters on the bottom of the bottle, but that's just from the glass maker, so I don't see any kind of laser, laser inking or uh, sticker or anything. Huh. <sighs> Ink jetting. I didn't really use lasers for those things. That would cost too much. I know and lasers are pretty easy to come by these days. Freaking lasers. Lasers that wedge glass or uh, a little mm. more powerful. And they might skunk the beer. They could do the bottles before they fill them. You could. All right. Well, this is an in- going to be an interesting one to judge. I'm going to have to throw up my hands here. Um, uh, Three-way tie for second place, and then a winner is what I got. (laughs) (laughs) Give a little more thought than that. I think you already used your... um, Your your non... My uh, mulligan every hundred shows. (laughs) I think we have a yearly mulligan rule. I think we, we both already used it. So, okay, we are we're forced into this. Okay, so I'm gonna start from the top down because building suspension the bottom up is just gonna be too difficult to figure out what's what. I think I have to put the Rodenbach Grand Cru number one. Um, it was tangy. It was 
sweet tarts, it was raspberries, it was good. Uh, Rodenbach seldom disappoints, if ever. The Redbach, I guess, would be the only time they disappoint. They do that Redbach, you ever had that? No, I don't think so. It's kind of, it's the girly-fied um, Rodenbach. <laughs> so it's a little tiny, it's like a little tangy, but like so watered down, it's more fruity. Right. It's really disappointing, but the Rodenbach Grand Cru is where it's at. Number two, like I said, I'm 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 uh, I'm pretty equal in the rest of them. I liked the. I guess I put the Duchesse de Bourgogne, number two. Uh, I don't know. I just it's good. It's drinkable, and then uh, let's put the. This is at number three in the the uh, special winter ale from Brasserie de Brasserie de Blau Bluggies Blug Blagu I don't know sorry um, I liked all I liked all the beers but um, virtually three way tie for second place. Hmm. Okay, uh, mine is going to be just slightly different, um, just because I really find this last one so interesting that I'm going to put it number one just because right now it's just it, it's hitting a really really interesting spot, and I want to keep thinking about it. Okay, um, if you caught me on a uh, if it, hell, heck, if you caught me five minutes ago, I might be different. <laughs> uh, but right now, I'm saying this is really interesting. This this is this is worth checking out. Um, not that the other ones aren't, but uh, the the rest goes pretty much the way Jeff did. Uh, Rodenbach Dissident Special Winter. All right. Yeah, I mean, I liked them all, but uh, that Rodenbach's a good one. If if you know, too bad I don't have any Lafayette to put in the mix. That would have been yeah. fun. Because Lafayette is a from New Belgium is a is a really nice uh, Belgian red. The only thing I have to warn you about is it's significantly more acidic than the Rodenbach. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were going to try to drink a seven fifty with just two people, um, you might have a hard time because it makes your cheek. I mean, literally, it made my cheeks raw. My cheeks were starting to get a little raw from all the acidity in the beer. I'll definitely do that. Three or four like right people. now, I'm thinking hmm, maybe I want Rodenbach first. So I'm like, I'm wavering. Mm-hmm. Tight show. Yeah, very tight show. All right, thanks everybody for listening to 188 Flame Radio, and uh, see you again next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. But they never say what